Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good day and welcome to Discovery Point Church. Uh, we're glad that you've chosen to tune in with us this morning. Um, will you pray and we will dig into God's word. Father, we want to say thank you for another day. Uh, Lord, we want to thank you for just a sweet time of worship. And as we come to your word, uh, Lord, my prayer is that you would give us understanding that by your spirit, you would prompt us and move us uh, to consider the culture that we and the commission that you have given us. And I pray that by your spirit, we would exercise our commission, regardless of what the culture may or may not do. By your spirit, empower us and strengthen us, I pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, our, our culture is in chaos. And it seems that every day we see signs of the culture slipping. No, not slipping, but running headlong into obscurity. Today we exist in a, a postmodern, post-Christian, post-truth, relativistic culture. Today, everybody has their own truth. Uh, you have your truth, I have my truth. And even if our truths contradict one another, they're still valid for you and it's still valid for me. And that seems to be a contradiction in itself. But as our culture becomes uh, increasingly hostile towards Christianity, as our culture becomes increasingly hostile towards our Savior, and towards those whom follow Jesus, it is more important than ever before to remember the Great Commission. And as a church, we exist to know Jesus and to make him known. We exist to know Jesus, not just facts about Jesus, not just head knowledge about Jesus, but we want to experience the life that Jesus has afforded us. We want to experience that abundant life that Jesus has granted us through his death, burial, and resurrection. We want to experience all that Jesus has for us. And so we want to know him, not just facts about him, but experientially. And then we want to go out and share what we know about him. We want to share about what he's done in our lives. We want to share about what he has done for us so that others can hear about the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And what I find interesting is that no matter how hostile the culture becomes, our commission stands. We must make disciples. See, Jesus never promised that this life was going to be easy, that the road would be straight and smooth. On the contrary, Jesus told his disciples, in this life, you will have tribulation. But he said, take courage, because I've overcome the world. And in our text today, Paul is reminding his son in the faith, Timothy, about this very thing. And if you have a Bible, will you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2? 2 Timothy chapter 2. Our, our text is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, through 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. And in our text today, Paul is writing, this is his last letter 
before he loses his life for the cause of Jesus. And he's writing to Timothy, his protege, his, his son in the faith, the one whom he is passing the torch to, to remind him of those things that are most important. And Paul has some principles that he wants Timothy to remember. And he has some principles that he wants you and I to also remember. And even as our culture becomes more aggressive and more antagonistic and anti-Christian in nature, these principles hold true to our commission. Now let me say this, we cannot allow our culture to dictate to whom and when and where we share the gospel and exercise our commission. Regardless of what the culture may or may not do, regardless of how hostile they may become, we have a commission from Jesus Christ. And so to give you some background in chapter 2, Paul is writing and he is encouraging Timothy, reminding him to stay focused on Jesus, to stay focused on the gospel. And he reminds Timothy to teach faithful men what Paul has taught him so that they can teach others. Paul has told Timothy to stay focused on the mission and not to take shortcuts, but to do the work of ministry as hard and as difficult as it is sometimes. You got to do the work so that you can be a workman who is not ashamed, but is approved by God. Paul tells Timothy, he reminds him that Jesus is risen from Find this interesting. Why would Paul mention to Timothy to remember Jesus Christ is risen from the dead? I think it's because Timothy will realize that we serve a living God, not a God that is dead and in a tomb and buried somewhere, but Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. And Paul wants to remind him that he is alive and he is working in your life and in my life and in Timothy's life and in Paul's life. And he is working in the culture to bring about his will. And so, Timothy, remember that Jesus Christ is risen. And then he tells Timothy, don't argue over words. Because, number one, it's kind of crazy, but number two, it's not a good witness for you. It's not a good witness for us to argue over words because it leads to, to confusion. And he says, do the things that please God. That as you live your life, do those things that you know will please Jesus and bring him glory. And don't get distracted by, by bunny trails. Don't get distracted to the left or to the right, but stay focused on Jesus Christ. And then he says, Timothy, stay away from wickedness. Stay away from sin. Stay away from sinful people. And in verse 24 of chapter 2, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. That's verses 24 through 25a. And, and Paul reminds Timothy, number one, that you belong to Jesus. He says, the Lord's bondservant. That says to me, Timothy, you're not your own, that you've been bought with a price, just like you and I. If Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we don't belong to ourselves, but we've been bought with a price. And that price is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We are servants or slaves of Jesus. And what that means is, it's no longer my will. 
but it's the Lord's will that ought to be worked out in my life because he is Lord and I am the servant, I am the slave, and I follow his command. And so Paul reminds Timothy that the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. And the idea is this, that it is necessary, Timothy, that you not be quarrelsome, that you don't get into frivolous arguments. So it's necessary that the Lord's servants are not quarrelsome. Why is that? Well, remember, we're trying to win a very angry and antagonistic culture to Christ. And so if we're fighting and they're fighting us and we're fighting them, well, that's kind of quarrelsome and nobody wins. And so in the face of a hostile culture, we must not be quarrelsome. That means we don't retaliate. That means we don't get ready to fight. That means we don't respond in kind when someone wrongs us. Paul says it is necessary that we not lose our cool. And then he says, but, and this is a very strong contrast in the Greek text, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but, here it is, be kind to all. Be kind to all. And the idea is to be gentle, uh, to be mild, to be easygoing, like Jesus. And not only does this easygoing and kind to all describe what we should do, but it describes our very lives, that our lives are to be characterized uh, as easygoing, as mild, even keeled. And we're to be kind to all, Paul says. Now, I know there are some folks in your life, in your neighborhood, in your family, that just rub you the wrong way. But Paul says be kind to all. Because our very lives have been saved so that we can win others to Christ. And if we're not kind to all, then we won't win some to Christ. Keep that in mind. But he says that we're to be kind to all. Then he says able to teach. The idea is simply skillful in teaching. And you know, it's hard to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone when you don't know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. And I want to put a plug in for our core four classes here at Discovery Point Church. If you've never attended a core four class, let me encourage you to sign up for the next core four class. Because these classes are designed to teach us about who Jesus is. They're to teach us how we can grow and mature in our faith. They teach us how to then go out and share our faith. And then they teach us how to serve Jesus. And we want to give you the tools necessary so that, like, just as Paul has told Timothy, we can go out into a, a very angry and aggressive and anti-Christian culture and share our faith with them the way God wants us to. But Paul says that you must be able to teach. And hang on, because then he says this, that we're also to be patient when wronged. Patient when 
wrong. Now, patient, patience isn't the idea of you're in your doctor's office and you're in the waiting room and he's an hour behind and you're patiently waiting. That's not the idea here. The, the idea here is simply bearing evil without resentment. Bearing evil without resentment. Resentment. And when an angry, non-saved person comes into your life, comes into your face, and they rip you up one side and down the other because of your morality, because of your love of Jesus, we are to bear that without resentment. Now, that's hard to do, I know, but you know what? It can be done if we depend on the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. And if we're filled with the Spirit, then we will respond in the appropriate way. And then Paul says that we are to correct them in with gentleness, those who are in opposition. What? Folks who disagree with me, who hate me, I am to correct them with gentleness? Absolutely. Because the goal, don't ever forget the goal. The goal is to make disciples. And discipleship begins with folks accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, think about Jesus. When you see Jesus in the scripture, you never, ever, ever, ever see him lose his cool. Whether he's dealing with the Pharisees or, 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 or lepers or, or anybody else, he never loses his cool. Even when they try to entrap him, he's always on that even keel. And he is our model for engaging a hostile culture. And if they were hostile to him then, they're definitely hostile to us today. That's why Paul says this in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. Paul says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And the idea is this, is that, we, is that what we say and how we say things should attract people to Christ, should draw people to Christ, not push them away and not repel them. And so we see Jesus, when he interacts with folks in the first century in the scripture, he was always gentle, kind, but he spoke the truth. And you and I have to do the very same thing. This is to be our way of life. And so Paul then gives Timothy the reason why we have to be gentle and patient and correcting with gentleness. Look at the second half of verse 25. Paul says this. He says, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Don't miss this. Paul says, if perhaps. Uh, it's subjunctive in the Greek text, which means it's in the realm of possibility. It's like when you go to Las Vegas. You might win, and you might not win. You don't know until you try. And that's the idea here. It says, if perhaps. It's not a guarantee. But look, if perhaps God may grant them repentance. 
God is the one who opens the eyes so that we can see. You know, that's, that's why we sing the, uh, the, the old hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Well, who opened our eyes? It was Jesus who opened our eyes to the truth of his word. And Paul says here that if perhaps God may grant them repentance, God does the saving. God does the eye-opening. God opens the ears. He opens the heart and makes it receptive to his gospel. Our responsibility is to share that gospel. And so Paul says, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, that they might know the truth about the, who Jesus is, that they may know the truth about the gospel, that they might know the truth of what Jesus has done for them. And, he says, verse 26, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. See, we don't know who God is going to save or when God is going to save certain people, but here's what we know. According to Paul, God is the one who grants repentance. And for these folks who've never tasted the sweet salvation that Jesus offers, Paul says that they're not in their right minds. It's like they're in a drunken stupor and don't know what they're doing. They haven't come to their senses. And this is the light in which we ought to see the world. No matter how anti-Christian they might be, no matter how much they might hate our morality or our church or the God that we serve, we have to see them as people who have been ensnared by Satan. People who have been enslaved by Satan, controlled by Satan, unaware in order that they might do his will. Have you ever wondered when Jesus was on the cross in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, and he says this, uh, Luke records this, but Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Have you ever thought about how Jesus was able to, while he's suffering for us on the cross, turn around and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It seems to me that Jesus saw these folks in the light of the fact that they had been duped and ensnared and enslaved by Satan and that they were doing his will. Unbeknownst to them, but they were doing his will. And Jesus sees them as such. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. And you and I need to view the lost in the very same way. No matter how angry the culture may be or how hostile the culture may be, we need to view those who are lost the way Jesus does, as those folks who have been ensnared and enslaved by Satan. And they really don't know what they're doing because Jesus hasn't opened their eyes and ears to hear his gospel. He hasn't freed them from that slavery. But Paul wants to make sure that he's crystal clear as he's talking to Timothy. And he wants to make sure that Timothy is aware of what is to come. And so we get to chapter 3, verse 1. 
where Paul says this, but he says, but realize this. And the idea is, Timothy, make sure that you understand this and not only understand it, but make sure that you continue to remember what I'm about to tell you. In other words, don't forget it. He says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. And I got to thinking, if in the first century, during Timothy's lifetime, he realized that, oh, I'm living in the last days. Well, fast forward almost 2,000 years later, if those were the last days, then these are really the last of the last days. And things should have gotten progressively worse, and they have. And so Paul says, in the last days, difficult times, difficult seasons, difficult periods of time will come. And we see that today in our culture. And Paul lists 19 characteristics of what the culture is going to look like. And he says this. He says, for men will be lovers of self. The idea is that they will be selfish or only concerned for themselves and not concerned for anybody else. That they will be lovers of money. That they'll be greedy. And that money will be the driving force in their lives. That they will be boastful. The idea here is self-absorbed or, or braggadocious. Because it's all about me. Did you know it's about me? Well, if you didn't know it, I'm telling you, it's about me. That kind of attitude. And then he says arrogant, those who are proud, uh, showing feelings of unwarranted importance. You know, a lot of folks today are self-important to themselves. And this is what Paul is talking about. Boastful, arrogant, blasphemous. Some of your texts say revilers, but the Greek word is blasphemous. They're, they have an irreverence towards God. They don't have a healthy fear of God. They don't have respect for God. They are demeaning towards God. I used to have an office mate uh, whose name was Dave many years ago, and Dave was, Dave was pretty much agnostic, and he knew that I was a Christian, and we'd often have these conversations about God and what God is like, and well, if, if there's a real God, why doesn't he come down here and show himself to us? I said, well, he did in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, how come he doesn't do it now? Because he's finished his work, Dave. And then Dave would give God the, the, the double one finger, middle finger salute. And I'd say, Dave, you're going to pay for that one day. So you need to be careful. Because one day you will stand before a holy God and you'll have to give an account for that. And he gave him another salute. I said, okay, Dave, just, I'm just warning you. But that's blasphemous. Irreverence toward God. And then Paul says that they're going to be disobedient to parents, not complying, not obeying what their parents have told them. And we see this today in our culture as well. He said they'll be ungrateful. And I, and I got to harp on this because have you, have, you, have you met anybody today where you go and you do a favor for and you don't get a thanks? You don't get a thank you? It's just as though they were deserving and you had to do it anyway. That's the idea is that folks will be ungrateful and they'll be unholy. The idea here is wicked or lacking morality. Then he says unloving. And the, the idea here is cold, unfeeling, without affection. And then irreconcilable. And the idea for irreconcilable is simply this. 
is that these are people you can't make peace with. These are people that you cannot appease. These are folks whom it is impossible to, to come to some sort of unity with. They're irreconcilable. And then malicious gossips, those who attack the reputation of others. Without self-control is the next one. And I see this quite a lot. There's no restraint uh, through either what they do or through what they say. They just let it all out. And then he says savage. Folks will be brutal, wild, like they, as though they didn't have any home training. Untamed. Haters of good is the next one. They have no love for the things that are good. They have no love for the things that are moral. They don't have an interest in those things. And then Paul says treacherous, somebody who will stab you in the back, someone who will betray you and betray your trust. And then reckless. And I see this every day on the way to work. No thought for others. A defiant, or, or they're defiant rather, regardless of the consequences. I see this on the highway each and every weekday. This recklessness. And then conceited. And the idea here is puffed up. Insanely arrogant. Blindly arrogant. Do you know people like that? Who were so stuck on themselves that they're, no, they're just no earthly good? That's conceited. And then Paul says this. He says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God that in the last days, people are going to desire pleasure through, through sex, through, through money, through crime, through the demise of others. They're going to seek pleasure more so than God. Lovers of pleasure more than God. And then he says, Having, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And I think these are the religious folks, the folks who say, you know what, um, I'm not religious, but I'm, I'm spiritual. And I know people who weekly will clear their minds and empty their minds so that they can hear from their spirit guide or their angel so that they can be led because they're spiritual. Well, Paul says that they hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And Paul tells Timothy, avoid such men as these. Now, before you say, hey, there's my out. I don't have to deal with people who are like this. Pump the brakes for a minute. To avoid these men is the idea of, Timothy, you don't hang out with them. You don't socialize with them. You don't go to dinner with them. You don't invite them to your house to meet your family. Because these type of men will wind up leading you into all sorts of other sins. Why does Paul tell Timothy about these men? Why does he warn them? Could it be that he wants Timothy to begin to pray? to begin to depend more and more on Jesus so that as his faith matures, when he encounters people like these, 
he'll be able to address them in a way that is gentle and not quarrelsome. And he'll be, he'll be able to address them with patience, just like Jesus did. See, I think Paul is telling Timothy to get prepared. Get your heart, get your mind prepared. Because this is coming. And when the day comes when you encounter someone like this, you will know how to address them. You will know how to engage with them. And God will get the victory. And I want you guys to know that here in the coming weeks, we're going to be dealing with some very tough and difficult topics. Things that are happening in our culture today. Things that have permeated our government and our schools and, uh, and, and entertainment and the whole of our culture. And these are going to be some difficult discussions, but they're going to be necessary discussions. And we want you to be equipped so that when you encounter folks out in the culture, you won't be quarrelsome. And you, you'll engage them with gentleness. You'll engage them with patience and with kindness so that prayerfully God would grant them repentance as they lend their ear to what we have to share about the goodness and the grace of Jesus. Because we won't badger them over the head. We won't beat them with our Bibles. But we'll share what Jesus Christ has done us and prayerfully God will open their eyes and free them from the snare and enslavement of Satan so as I close I want to encourage you to to hearken to the words of Paul and begin to pray and ask God to strengthen you in the inner man by the His Holy Spirit so that you can be prepared for these difficult conversations and these difficult encounters, and they will come. But the church has to be ready. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your word, and we thank you for Paul. And we thank you because Paul didn't mince words, but he said what he meant to say so that Timothy and those of us today who, who belong to you can be prepared to engage a hostile culture. Lord, uh, you haven't given us uh, a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, uh, of love, and of a sound mind. And I pray that you would use us, regardless of what the culture may do. Use us for your glory, so that as we are going, we can make disciples. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we ask these things in your name. Amen. Listen, I hope you would take Paul's words to heart. And I hope that you will find these words of encouragement as we look out for the culture, as we engage the culture, and as we trust Jesus to get the victory. Listen, have a great rest of your day. We love you, and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.